We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Good morning, and welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here, we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, Please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of Finra and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Welcome back. We know that spring has arrived. The daffodils are in bloom. I've got a magnolia tree. Believe that up in Northeast Ohio. The magnolia tree has started to blossom. The forsythia bushes are showing their golden leaves. And you can see the buds on the trees. And and I even wonder how long it'll be before the crabapple trees blossom. They're always beautiful. And the birds, they're everywhere with their bright colors and their songs. And now I have to be careful walking around the backyard. The Canadian geese are taken over my backyard. Uh, one family of geese uh, set up their nest near the gazebo. And then there's another family that's on the other side of the pond. And there's also a third pair out there yet, but I can't, uh, I haven't seen where they've got their nest yet. And, uh, Soon we'll see the little goslings in the pool, in the pond, and uh, basically I walk around and I, you know, it, it's kind of like as long as I know where the nests are, I can uh, not disturb them. You know, uh, they see me coming, they're walking around, and of course they, they either uh, if they have the goslings, they all move into the water real fast, or uh, 
uh, somebody will start honking at me. So, uh, but because I know where everything's at, I think I've got a pair of uh, ducks out there somewhere, too. But, uh, you know, you never find these nests until you're, you're rooting around and suddenly somebody's <laughs> quacking or honking at you. And, uh, uh, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here watching the rainfall, and I recall that uh, April showers bring May flowers. And I only hope that the rain slows down and allows the backyard to dry out so I can get out there, walk around, and enjoy it. And this weekend, let's find the time to relax, enjoy ourselves, and maybe even find the time to review our financial plans and and where we're going and how we're going to get there. And, and of course, that old uh, uh, federal income tax and state income tax, they're due soon, so we have to pay attention to them, too. So this week, global equity markets, were they were mixed. In the United States, they were down. The three major uh, stock indices were basically down for the week. In the U.K., the FTSE 100 was up, while in the European Union, the German uh, DAX and the the stocks, Europe 600, were down for the week. And if we look to Asia, uh, Japan's Nikkei 225 was down, while China's Shanghai Composite and, and the Hong Kong Hang Sheng, we're both up for the week. So, up and down, uh, this Friday, the three major U.S. Uh, stock indices closed at, uh, uh, for the Dow Jones Industrial Average, we closed at 34,721.12. So, it was down, uh, down 0.28% for the week. So, down, you know, rounded off to 0.3% for the week. And then you've got your standard in the four five hundred, which closed at four thousand four hundred and eighty eight point two eight. And that was down more. That was down one point two seven percent for the week. So in the NASDAQ, that was uh closed at thirteen thousand seven hundred and eleven, and that was down three point eight six percent for the week. And of course the you can tell by the way the markets are reacting, the markets are still worried about what the Federal Reserve is going to do to conquer inflation. And, oh, and there's also the unknowns around the uh, Russian attack on the Ukraine and the sanctions and things of this nature. And uh, so the, the stock market has been worried principally about the, the Federal Reserve. So you do you do see the, the U.S. stock indices are, have been down since the start of the year. And uh, right now, uh, the Dow Jones is down, well, this is as of Friday, it, it was down uh, 4.45% year-to-date. And the standard of poor 500 was down 5.83% year-to-date. And the NASDAQ was down 12.36% year-to-date. So uh, what you're seeing is that uh, uh, this week, the, the bond market saw the yields increase significantly in response to the Federal Reserve's plan. This week was all about the Federal Reserve's plan, and that resulting in increased losses in the bond funds. And uh, the stock indices also fell as in, in investors continued to digest expectations 
for the Federal Reserve to become more aggressive in combating the high inflation. Next, I think next week we'll get the next and uh, the newest inflation number, which will probably be higher than the old one. And on Thursday uh, of uh, last week, uh, the Federal Reserve uh, uh, Governor uh, Lael Brainerd, uh, she gave a hawkish uh, speech and uh, she identified the uh, the uh, that the Federal Reserve monetary tightening might include uh, interest rates going up faster than expected. Uh, originally, they they on the 16th of, uh, of uh, March, uh, they bumped it up, uh, the overnight rate, up uh, one quarter of a percent. Well, she's saying, well, expect maybe like a, a couple of one half a percent increases at some of the future uh, uh, federal open market committee meetings. And also, uh, she, she, she got into uh, a more rapid pace of uh, balance sheet reduction, and it could start as early as May. You know, recall at the last uh, Federal Open Market Committee meeting on March 16th, uh, Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, he presented their plan for slowing the U.S. economy and reducing inflation. And basically, there were three steps to it. One of those steps has happened already, and that was... uh, uh, stop the $120 billion from bond buying operation that was feeding $120 billion per month into the economy. Uh, and that's been going on since uh, well, February of 2020. So they stopped that and they finished that up in uh, uh, last month. And, uh, and then the second thing, the, the part of the plan is to start increasing the federal funds rates or the overnight rates uh, by approximately 2% this this year and maybe another 1% next year. Um, mm, you know, the, the bond people say, well, maybe maybe rather than just 1%, they, they might go to 2% next year too. But the official plan that they laid out last, last month was 2% this year and another 1% next year. And the rates would be increased at the regular uh, federal open market committee meetings that happen about every six weeks. And uh, they increased, like I said before, they increased the rate one quarter of a percent at the meeting on uh, March 16th. So the federal funds rate now stands between uh, one quarter and one half of percent. And uh, so, you know. The, and the, the third part of the, the Federal Reserve plan is start running off some of the bonds uh, that they've accumulated ever since uh, 2008. They uh, called the banking crisis or the housing crisis in 2008. They bought a lot of bonds, and they also bought a lot of bonds during this uh, COVID pandemic. So they're going to uh, start selling these bonds or uh, selling them or just letting them mature and, and, uh, and get the money and give it back to the Treasury. And uh, so uh, with regard to the bond buying, or the, I'm sorry, the bond selling operation, uh, they weren't definite about the 
amount of the bonds that would be sold each month, uh, nor when the selling would start. So uh, that's what uh, Brainerd gave a little uh, indication that it would start in May. The Federal Reserve said that uh, they would announce the details of that at their next uh, Federal Open Market Committee meeting on May 3rd and 4th. So another thing, uh, in addition to Brainerd's uh, speech, the minutes of the March 15th, March 15th, 16th uh, uh, Federal Open Market Committee meeting were published on Wednesday, and they provided more information, you know, and they basically showed that the uh, the uh, idea here was to um, to to, to uh, sell about ninety five billion dollars of bonds per month, and the idea to selling the bonds is that twofold: one, it sucks money out of the economy, so they'll be sucking hundred they'll be sucking ninety five billion dollars a month out of the economy, and it also uh, gives the Federal Reserve the ability to, um, oh, tailor, let's call it tailor the uh, yield curve. In other words, uh, if uh, the Federal Reserve doesn't feel that the uh, 10-year or 20-year treasuries have gone up the way they want them to, then if they start selling that uh, that particular, let's say it's a, let's say it's a 20-year bond, if they throw a lot of 20-year bonds for sale on the market, then uh, that will lower the price of the 20-year bond and hence increase the yield of the 20-year bond. So uh, the Federal Reserve has complete control over the overnight or the federal funds rate, which is uh, zero maturity, uh, and they can control the higher maturity yield by selling these bonds and targeting uh, what bonds they want to sell uh, to raise those uh, particular yields. And uh, they also mentioned in the uh, minutes of the meeting that a lot of the people, a lot of the participants at the meeting uh, really wanted to go for a half a percent increase uh, on the 16th of uh, March. But... uh, and they probably will do a couple, maybe several half percent increases this year. So uh, not to be alarmed there. But basically both uh, Brainerd's speech and the, uh, the minutes reinforce what we've been hearing since January. You know, it's just, hey, they're serious. The Federal Reserve is serious. And they basically intend to slow the economy down uh, to uh, overcome this and bring this inflation down. and the Basically, the markets are concerned that the Federal Reserve, if they're not careful, it could cause the economy to slow down too much, and we could end up with a recession. So it's one of those, well, let's see what happens. They're about to get the ball rolling. The game is starting, so we'll see what happens then. Even apart from that, though, uh, you know, there is a lot of good news with regards to the economy. And, you know, the people are getting out. They're shaking off this COVID. Uh, Most of your vulnerable people uh, are uh, immunized uh, from the COVID. They've got their shots. I mean, when I talk about vulnerable people, I mean people over 55 years old. 
and uh, they've got their shots, and uh, 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 the shots are effective, and they might be going for a fourth shot, uh, yeah, fourth shot, uh, who knows, it's up to them to decide. And so people are going out to restaurants, they're traveling more, basically the uptick in the, in the uh, and the airlines traffic has really surprised the airlines. You know, families are gathering more for birthdays and anniversaries. The job markets are tight, and uh, the consumers are buying. Uh, maybe not the big ticket items because they're, they're not available. You know, it's, it's a it's a real chore to buy a car nowadays, even a used car. So, and, and then you take a look at the. Uh, and COVID, COVID is still with us. You know, we have the uh, Omicron and uh, uh, some variation of that. But if you take a look at the latest results with COVID, uh, they're seeing something like 29,500 uh, cases a day, new cases a day. And that's down 3% over the last two weeks. The number of people that are hospitalized with the COVID are 15,000 actually 15,000, and that number has gone down 24% over the last two weeks. And uh, the number of deaths uh, nationwide is a little less than 600 uh, per, you know, per day, and that's gone down 32% over the last two weeks. So in Ohio, the numbers are even smaller. Uh, we're seeing 550 cases New cases per day, and uh, the number of hospitalized is stands at 650, and that's down 18 percent. And the number of deaths is approximately 18 uh, per day. So uh, the, the COVID crisis has passed, and people are responding to that and enjoying themselves more and getting back to normal again. And uh, and then as far as the economy is concerned, uh, you know, we've got more jobs than we know what to do with. And uh, the last month's results for in March, uh, the new jobs, uh, job uh, growth was uh, somewhere around 431,000. And uh, was even higher than that because they picked up another 95,000 jobs. I recounted the numbers for January and February. So, we figure, uh, figure about 470,000 jobs each month. And uh, the unemployment rate is down to 3.6%. And, uh, um, you know, the job availability uh, is something like there's 11.3 million jobs that are posted uh, as available jobs at the end of any particular month. So the economy is in good faith. Uh, basically, we saw from the fourth quarter earnings that the fourth quarter earnings were in good shape, and uh, uh, we're going to start to see the first quarter earnings uh, this week. You know, I think it'll come out uh, Thursday or Friday. Uh, the banks, the, the banks typically lead off, and uh, but what they're showing is that the the uh, the managers of the companies, particularly the Standard & Poor, which everybody looks at, uh, they're keeping their good numbers by passing all of all the extra costs down to the next guy. And uh, uh, 
uh, you know, it falls on us sooner or later, but uh, as far as uh, uh, buying things, the consumers are still buying. They're just switching their uh, buying habits a little bit uh, during the COVID, uh, since nobody wanted to go out and go to restaurants or travel or, you know, get haircuts or go to a, a beauty salon. They, they Everything uh, turned to uh, buying goods. Now what you're seeing is that the number of goods uh, buying is, is coming down and the number of uh, service, uh, money spent on the service sector of the economy is going up, So, which is, which is basically normal. So, you know, the, if you take a look at the uh, results in, in terms of talking to managers in, t- in the manufacturing industries and also in the service industries, and they, uh, the, the people that do that are generally the Institute of Supply Management, and we'll talk about what their results are later in the show. But uh, uh, what they're seeing is that the, uh, the, uh, the manufacturing is doing great in terms of new orders, production. Uh, they do have problems with regard to uh, deliveries of their uh, raw materials and, and deliveries of the components necessary to, to put into their product uh, and their prices. So, but as far as far and, and the help is hard to find, but they, they seem to be overcoming that with raises. So, what you're seeing is the manufacturing is in good shape, and we'll talk about that later. And the, and the service industries are in good shape. And we'll look we'll look to the uh, Institute of Supply Management will also uh, look to the Standard and Poor uh, 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 Institute for the, uh, the uh, uh, reports on that particular subject. And then we'll also take a look at the, uh, the uh, production in the uh, durable goods and the non-durable goods. That thing that, the thing that I was looking for was a standard and poor global uh, U.S. Uh, purchases and managers index. So, and they do that for both manufacturing and, and uh, services. So, you look at the economy. The economy is doing good. Uh, more jobs than, than we have people. Uh, people are getting raises. People are spending money. The, the managers are doing their job in terms of paying attention to the profits and, and uh, earnings. And uh, what we have to do is do, <laughs> do our job with regard to saying, okay, uh, what is happening here? You know, the Federal Reserve is going to do their thing. And uh, maybe late in this year or in uh, into 2023, we'll see that the Hopefully, we'll see that they've lowered the inflationary environment, and uh, that'll be a combination of what they're doing as well as getting these uh, uh, supply chains untangled. And the supply chains uh, uh, are getting, uh, they were getting untangled, but then the uh, COVID uh, uh, struck uh, China again, and China has this, uh, what they call zero tolerance. Uh, where they locked the whole uh, the whole uh, city up, 
and they got something like 50 million people in uh, the uh, Shanghai uh, region uh, locked down for uh, COVID and trying to trying to overcome or uh, uh, reduce the uh, spread of COVID in China. So that's screwing up the uh, supply chains again. So, and uh, of course you have the uh, the uh, Ukraine uh, war, uh, the attack with uh, Russia, and also the uh, sanctions with regard to that. So we got to just, uh, what we expect to do is late in 2022, early 2023, we expect to see that inflation is coming down and the supply chains are getting better and uh, and we can, you know, get back to normal uh, around this, uh, get out of this uh, uh, COVID hibernation that we've been through. So uh, and we're, what we're seeing is that the economy is strong and uh, uh, capable of handling all of it. So uh, that brings out the question is, uh, how are you doing on a personal basis about your financial planning? You know, we can, we can talk all we want to about the macro planning, uh, but we really talk about that from the viewpoint of, okay, can we do anything about it? The answer is no. Uh, does it affect us? The answer is yes, because it affects our investments. But the personal financial plan and the micro plans are the ones where we can really have an impact, uh, not only because we make the decisions with regard to what we're going to save and spend and where we're going to uh, spend it at, but we also... Uh, have 100% of, we have skin in the game, so to speak, there, because uh, this is our lives. These are our goals. Uh, if we want to get to where we think we're going to go uh, 10, 20, 30 years from now, uh, we've got to lay out a roadmap to do that. That requires some thinking and some uh, making some decisions and some judgments about how you're going to deploy your assets. Uh, Maybe your assets or your your uh, income from work. Maybe you've got real estate. Maybe you've got inheritances. Uh, how are you going to deploy these and protect these and grow these things to the point where you can achieve your uh, goals in the future? So uh, you can give us a call. Uh, we have a toll-free number here. It's one eight eight eight. 281-1110, and we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, I'll repeat that number. It's 1-888-281-1110. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets... 
with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleaf, and we're talking about uh, basically what's going on in the uh, uh, the world of economics and the world of uh, of uh, wealth and the world of uh, investment. So, uh, hey, Jim. Tell you about yes. Hi, it's Colleen. I'm wondering, can we shift gears a little bit and talk about the microeconomics? We have. <laughs> We have Catherine who wants to ask a really important question, and uh, I think a lot of us are in this in this category. She said she and her husband haven't really thought very much about saving for retirement, but they're getting up in age, and they're thinking we now we better start uh, thinking about what to do, and they really want to get down to working on it. And would like to know: Do you have any hints, guidelines, or suggestions oh, for them? Wonderful, wonderful. You know, it's a big, it's a big topic, and you, the very fact that you've uh, started it, you know, it's one of those things. The longest, the longest journey begins with a single step. So, let's talk about, you know, a small aspect of it. Yeah, you know, with regard to in the planning process, uh, you have to say, okay, you're looking at retirement. Uh, uh, how much are you going to need to spend to achieve your goals? You know, how much do you expect to earn from your savings, from your Social Security, from your other potential sources of income? In other words, basically uh, check with the Social Security people, and uh, you could go on the web or you can call them uh, and find out well, what your benefits are going to look like. And uh, there's two really important numbers that they give you. Uh, one number is that uh, hey, if you uh, take your Social Security at your earliest uh, time, that would be 62, then you're going to get a certain benefit. And if you um, wait for your full retirement age, which is generally close to 67 or something, 66, between 66 and 67 nowadays, if you wait until then, uh, you're going to get this amount per month, and uh, then you start to get involved with the, the rules of Social Security. Like, I, uh, if you don't uh, uh, claim their benefits until you're age 70, then you're going to get paid more. But uh, you know, who knows how long you're going to live? So there's risk involved in that. So you look at that. You look at your. If you've got a pension at work, you talk to your people at work and say, okay. Uh, when can I draw that? What am I gonna? Uh, how, where? How much am I gonna get from that? And then you also look at uh, uh, your uh, savings. You say, okay, what can I build this thing into? And uh, with normal 
investments. You know, like uh, figuring that uh, you know nobody can tell you exactly uh, what you're going to make. Uh, but let's say you make up a number like six percent or something like that. I can grow my investments at this, and you say, okay, uh, when I retire, we'll have this much, and then we can uh, uh, take out a certain amount of this. Let's say four, somewhere between four and five percent of that nest egg each year, and maybe more to accommodate inflation. And, uh, uh, and that nest egg will continue to uh, basically uh, grow. Maybe it'll go up or maybe it'll go down. And uh, it'll be there for your, your entire retirement. And uh, so you say, okay, how much am I going to get from my uh, nest egg? How do I grow my nest egg? Uh, what am I going to get from Social Security? What am I going to get from retirement or things of this nature? And then, uh, what do you expect to spend? You know, some people say, well, in retirement, uh, uh, you would expect to spend maybe 75 to 80% of your current uh, spending uh, program. So, and there's other people that say, well, uh, the, the costs will probably go up in terms of uh, now you've got more time on your hands. There'll be more time for travel, more time for entertainment. And, of course, the health care numbers will go up. So, therefore, a lot of people say, well, let's assume that uh, in retirement, you're going to be spending the same amount that you're spending now, but it will be on different things. Uh, other people go through, they'll show me spreadsheets of, exactly what they're uh, intending to uh, spend their money on. And uh, in that case, you, you might break it down into essential expenses versus discretionary expenses so that you know what expenses have to be paid. And then uh, the discretionary part is that, hey, if you've got the money, let's do it. Uh, but if the markets are down or if other circumstances have occurred that uh, you have to help the family or something like that, then uh, you have to postpone that. So what you do is take a look at your savings. You generally, in a lot of cases, have to increase the savings. In other words, we're basically looking in, you know, at something in the order of 15% of the take-home uh, should be going into those uh, savings, either 401ks or or three Bs, or or uh, IRAs, or uh, regular savings uh, uh, accounts, and uh, um, and put those into uh, uh, investments uh, that you that you can see will well you hopefully will make a certain return on that that will help you achieve your goals in the future. So and uh, so it, it, it's, it's a case of looking at it and saying, uh, am I saving the right amount? Uh, am I savings uh, falling short? Okay, we step up our savings. We contribute more to our 401k, more to our IRA accounts. Maybe you set up a SEP IRA if you're self-employed. And, uh, and maybe you take your bonuses or raise or tax refunds and you throw that into the retirement account. Uh, 
and you and you pay attention to what's going on, you know, and uh, you also pay attention to what's going on in your health insurance because, uh, in terms of retirement, health insurance is one of the big uh, issues because health insurance is fairly expensive. So you really want to make sure that you don't retire before you're eligible for Medicare. Uh, and uh, so and you, you just sit down there, you put it all together, and uh, 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 basically the end result, I think, is that you're going to have to increase the savings. But the good part about increasing the savings is you know why you're going to increase the savings and you know what that is going to get you in the future and that's going to fulfill your plan. So uh, give us a call. Give us a, you know, if you want to talk about this thing, we can talk about it. Just give us a call and we'll be glad to talk about it. Our number here is 1-888-281-1110. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. You know, one of the things I was mentioning about, hey, what's the economy doing and our, uh, how our business is doing, how our workers doing? Uh, the Institute of Supply Management, uh, it's an organization that uh, has a whole bevy of, of uh managers who make comments and contribute their their expertise and knowledge of what's going on. And basically what they do is they uh, uh, send them out questionnaires and uh, how did this month uh, compare to last month? That's the basic question. But it goes deeper to that in the sense that uh, they want to know about uh, new orders, they want to know about the production. They want to know about uh, delivery uh, uh, schedules. They want to know about uh, uh, price increases. They want to know about employment. So each one of those particular uh, pieces, they want to say, hey, how did this month compare to last month? To get a feeling for are we going uphill or are we, are we moving up or are we moving down? And they they grind all these numbers and comments together and, and they come up with a number uh, that 50 is the neutral point and a number over 50 uh, indicates that uh, uh, expansion and good things and a number less than 50 indicates that uh, things are contracting. So uh, according to the... Uh, 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 the industry performance, and I'll give you an idea of what's involved in in uh, the service industries. We're talking about the educational services, arts, entertainment, construction, wholesale trade, 
accommodations and food services, real estate, rental and leasing, information technology, insurance, professional, scientific and technical services, healthcare, social assistance, mining, all these things are considered to be part of the service industries. And some of the comments that the managers make, you know, like in, um, you know, uh, accommodation and food services. Their comment was supply chain challenges continue at about the same level as last month. Employment has improved as COVID cases are declining. Restaurant sales have improved since Valentine's Day with masks and and, uh, vaccine uh, verification mandates being dropped. Uh, Agricultural, you hear uh, their comment, grain and fertilizer prices are near all-time highs, resulting in uh, decreased purchasing. Another thing you hear from uh, physicians from uh, education, labor and inflation continues to push costs higher across the board. Uh, pricing, there's another one from construction. Pricing pressures are stronger than ever due to the Russian-Ukraine uh, war and energy costs are skyrocketing. Uh, that's from construction people. Healthcare, supply chain disruptions are still a problem due to reduced allocation and, and manufacturer back orders. The band continues to outpace manufacturing capacity. So uh, here's one from management of companies. Concerns about inflation and rising energy prices are causing our company to take a cautious approach, especially related to planned capital expenditures. Uh, that's probably uh, very true for what we're seeing in the companies. The companies have a lot of money, but uh, all this confusion with regard to what the Federal Reserve, uh, how it's going to impact them, as well as uh, the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine and the sanctions, how all this is going to affect them, the pricing and all the rest of this stuff. It's causing uh, quite a bit of delays in capital uh, projects, you know, capital expenditures. So, uh, they're putting things off, putting them on the back burner until the, the dust settles down. So if you take a look at what they're saying from the managers, uh, question is how did uh, how did March compare to uh, 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 February? Okay, thirty-one percent of them said that the new orders increased in March. Eleven percent said that they decreased. Fifty-eight percent said, "Hey, no change." Uh, business activity, 31% said it was increased in March. 15% said no decrease. A backlog of buildup in uh, orders that haven't, haven't been fulfilled yet. The backlogs are increasing. 33% said the backlogs are increasing. 4% said that the backlogs are decreasing. Uh, new export orders, 30% said that they're increasing. 7% said that they're not increasing. Uh, here's a, a two things that jump out at you. One is that prices paid. 73% said that, hey, the prices we're paying are up uh, this month versus last month. 1% said, no, that's not the case. 
then the supplier deliveries uh, show that the uh, 33% so show that the uh, deliveries are slowing down, and only 6% show that they're picking up employment. Uh, 25% said that they, their employment has increased, and uh, 16% said it's decreased. So everywhere you look in the, the survey, the uh, Institute of Supply Management's uh, service survey uh, shows that uh, uh, the uh, Business activity is growing faster. New orders are growing faster. Employment is growing faster. Supplies, uh, deliveries are, grow- are slowing slower. <laughs> the pricing prices are increasing faster. Backlogs are, are growing faster, and new export orders are going up. So, uh, basically, uh, what did they say? Uh, and they. You know, I mentioned this uh, number of 50, which is kind of neutral. Uh, the uh, Institute of Supply Management Service Index increased to 58.3 uh, in March from 56.5 in in February. And then um, and there's another organization, the Standard and Poor uh, Global U.S. Services Purchasing Managers Index. They are a, another a group that uh, looks at the same uh, problem, and they're basically saying that, uh, according to the U.S. Global uh, Purchasing Managers Index, U.S. service providers registered a sharp upturn in business activity in March. Uh, the seasonably adjusted final uh, standard and poor global U.S. services purchasing managers index registered 58 in March, up from 56.5 in February, service providers signaled a marked rise in new orders at the end of the first quarter as new client acquisition and further easing COVID restrictions strengthened demand conditions. And they went through a summary. And the summary says, this is from their Chris Williamson, who's their chief business economist, quote, business activity in the vast service sector enjoyed a boost from the relaxation of the virus fighting restrictions in March, regaining the strong momentum after the Omicron-induced slowdown uh, seen at the start of the year. Demand for services is, in fact, growing so fast that companies are increasingly, uh, increasingly struggling to keep pace with customer orders, leading to the largest rise in backlog of work recorded since the survey started in 2009. So um, essentially, and then manufacturing is, uh, gives you a similar picture. Uh, according to them, and the, the standard and poor global U.S. manufacturing purchasing managers index, uh, uh, Chris Williamson also says, quote, U.S. manufacturing growth accelerated in March on strong demand and improved prospects, countering the headwinds of soaring cost pressures and the Russian-Ukrainian war. Uh, Order book growth has picked up as customers look to further reopening of the domestic and global economy to make signs that the disruptions from the pandemic continue to fade. Well, 
companies continue to report widespread production constraints due to supply chain bottlenecks, the Institute of Such Delays is now lower than at any time since January of 2021. Job growth has also improved as uh, fewer companies reported uh, labor shortages. So basically, the the whole U.S. economy is basically doing better, even with regard to uh, the government puts out a, a full report on manufacturers, uh, shipments, uh, inventories, and orders for February. And they showed that the orders uh, decreased at uh, one half of a percent in uh, February uh, to uh, it decreased $2.7 billion to $542 billion for February. And Basically, when you say, "Hey, how did the uh, how did the orders go down in February?" What you see is that you take a when you take a look in the report, in the details of the report, what you see is the problems in the are in the durable goods area, and it shows that the in February the durable goods orders went down two point one percent or five point eight billion dollars. Uh, to a total of 271.7 billion. Everything else went up. Non-durable goods went up. Shipments went up. Everything was fine, except for the orders. And uh, if you look at uh, where the orders uh, decreased, it was in uh, civilian aircraft. And uh, uh, basically, the uh, civilian aircraft orders for uh, uh, November of uh, last year. Civilian aircraft rose about 42% uh, in November, 24% in December, 16% in January, and then they were down 30.4% in February. So uh, basically what you're seeing there is that uh, when you take a look at where did the, where did the money go, uh, when these people buy aircraft, uh, a Boeing 737 MAX costs about $100 million. Uh, it sounds like a lot of money, but these airplanes are going to fly for the next uh, basically 20 years, and they're going to be in the air 12 hours a day. So they do make their money, and because they're expensive objects, the airlines generally try to buy these things in bulk. Uh, to get the best uh, benefit. So, um, you know, their uh, aircraft orders in November were $14.1 billion. December was $17.5 billion. January was $19.4 billion. In February, it fell off to thirteen point five. So that just tells me that uh, uh, there's a lot of... Big money in uh, the aircraft uh, purchasing, and if it doesn't show up one month, it can bring down the uh, durable goods orders. But it's nothing to be worried about. I wouldn't worry about Boeing because uh, their backlog in February uh, was eight hundred and fifty-three billion dollars. Now, if you work for a company, <laughs> most companies, most companies, if they got a backlog of six months. 
six months there in they figure they're in great shape. That uh, uh, the backlog on aircraft orders is goes out for a year. So uh, I don't think they're worried one way or the other. So basically, your your what it shows you is that uh, manufacturing is in good shape. Uh, the uh, orders are there. The orders. Uh, uh, somehow not as high as you think they should be. You just look inside the report, see what the problem is, and basically it's something as simple as a, uh, these orders are so humongous that uh, we can move the whole, whole thing. So you look at it, and you take a look at the uh, uh, where the economy is going, and uh, you say, okay, today we have, or this week, we had uh, issues with regard to the uh, the Federal Reserve, and uh, the uncertainty that that's that's acting on the markets as well as the uh, the, the the Russian uh, Ukraine uh, battles, and uh, what you're seeing is that. During times when there isn't any pay and there isn't any earnings data, uh, the markets kind of get to their own, making up their own uh, uh, scare stories. And uh, next week we're going to start getting into the earnings for the first quarter, and uh, uh, that'll probably start Thursday or Friday. And what I expect there is that uh, hey, uh, we'll see some good earnings and. Uh, uh, we'll get back to uh, uh, paying attention to uh, what the stock market does best, and that is make money. So I look at it, and uh, uh, the rest of the year, uh, we should be able. To, Federal Reserve should be able to pull us out of this uh, issue with regard to the uh, uh, in, in inflation. And uh, once they do that, uh, COVID is gone. Uh, the uh, if they can get their handle uh, around, around the uh, uh, inflation, uh, will be in much better shape. And I think they can do that. Uh, what they promise to do is pay attention to both the uh, the economy as well as inflation. And uh, they're talking about uh, decreasing the growth rate. And the growth rate in the, in the economy in the uh, 2021 last year was 5.7%. So this economy is growing at something like two or three times as fast as it uh, normally would. So you got a superheated super economy here. So this is Jim McAleese. Uh, you're listening to Get Real Slow. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. We need to remember that life is good, but to expect trouble as an inevitable part of life. And when it comes, what you have to do is basically hold your head high, look at, at it squarely in the eye and say, I, will, I am bigger than you and you cannot repeat me. And then you repeat to yourself the most comforting of all words. These words are, this Pass. That's a, there's a famous fable about these words. It involves an ancient, powerful case. 
The king was prone to periods of great elation where he would make very poor decisions and periods of great despair where he would get extremely upset. One of the kingdom's wise men created a ring for the king, a device that would stop him from getting lost in a high and low moment. The king asked, what does it do? How does it work? He said, wear the king, will wear the ring uh, with you always in times when you need it most. It will show you the answer and you'll know what to do, uh, replied the wise man. Almost immediately, a horseman rode in and demanded to speak with the king. Your majesty, your majesty, the kingdom is surrounded with under attack. So the king, with all his best horsemen, rode out to meet their enemies in the battlefield, and they fought for a long time, and it appeared that they would be defeated. Everything seemed dark and hopeless. But then the tired king was about to surrender. The ring suddenly shined and caught his attention. Engraved on the ring was an illuminated passage, four words which he had never seen before. This too shall pass. All of a sudden, the king found new hope and courage and a burst of energy out of nowhere and fought back with everything he had. His new strength inspired his men to fight like never before, like men possessed. Soon the tide of the battle turned and they won. The king returned to his city through a massive celebration for many days. And just as he was losing himself in the midst of the great feast, the ring shined and air illuminated again. This too shall pass. So, it's interesting that when the king read the message, nothing in the external world changed but his thought. That alone changed his whole experience and the eventual outcome. So, in the same way, no matter how bad things get, this too shall pass. And remember those words. Till next week, we meet again, and may God bless you and keep you safe. You've been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.